As I uh, mentioned last week, I'm back from a month in Israel, and while listening to the radio one morning, this joke was making its way around the airwaves in a big way. That an American just made Aliyah to Israel and was getting used to the bureaucracy. Not long after arriving, he receives in the mail a second notice from the Israeli tax authority saying his taxes are overdue. The American runs down to the tax office and he's paying the bill and he's apologizing over and over again that he might have accidentally overlooked the first bill, the first notice. The tax collector quietly smiles and says to him, you know, here we don't send out first notices anymore. We find the second notices have worked much better. Now there are lots of interesting things to say about traveling. Certainly feel it now more than we can. Traveling reminds us how the world is small and large. Small in that you can travel nearly the entire globe in but a few hours. Large in how each place is so different from each other. Now I know most people get excited about leaving, which I do. But I've come to discover that there is also something exciting in the return. So coming back, and of course while I saw much there in Israel, coming back has shown me a lot more. It's taught me to see again what I saw in the first place. And as the poet Eliot once wrote, and to know it's so much better. I had Passover in Israel. I ate kosher for Pesach sushi for the first time in my life, and that was nice. There were tourists that were filling the streets of Tel Aviv and Yerushalayim, Jerusalem, and after two devastating COVID years, that was really nice to see. But there I was, but two minutes distance from the deadly terror attack on Tel Aviv's Dizengoff Street that left three dead, a father of three children, a man celebrating his wedding in the coming weekend, and his best man. I was there for the other attacks in Chadera, Be'er Shevin, B'nai Brak. In time, I'll forget about the sushi. But I will not forget those evenings of sirens and the unrelenting news reports, of death confirmations and the names of the deceased. I will not forget the mornings after as well, of a soft, strange quiet that wafted over the city of Tel Aviv, a city that is always hard and loud. It was an urban shell shock after a night of bullets and blood. But this morning, I wanted to talk to you about something that for Jews will not be completely unknown to you. I've known it for so long that it no longer seems something that you should think about. It seems more like an assumption. But seeing it there in Israel, seeing how it comes to life on a national stage has helped me see it again and know it's so much better. There in Israel, I learned something about children. Now, the story of Jews and their children is the stuff of legend. You know the story where a mother is pushing, pushing her baby boy down the street in a carriage, and a friend stops her and takes a peek and says, Oh, there's Shane the kin, what a beautiful baby boy. To which the mother says, If you think that's nice, you should see his pictures or the one where a Jewish mother is at a presidential inauguration of her son, the first American Jewish president. And the chief of staff leans over to her and says, you must be so proud of him. And she says, I am. 
But did you see over there to the right? That's his brother, and he's a doctor. But jokes aside, the story of Jews and their children speaks to something deeper and grander, more majestic. You can learn it and see it by the stories told by ancient people. The Greeks told stories of war and warriors, of gods and humans, of death and violence. But the ancient Jews told story after story of people fighting to bring children into the world and bringing them under the most difficult circumstances imaginable to human beings. Look and think of those stories. Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebecca. The Jews of Egypt were even under the pain of death. They never stopped having children of baby Moses being placed in a basket down the Nile River to save his life, of his mother and sister tearily following him down the shore while hiding in the bulrushes to see if there was a merciful Egyptian who might take him in. The Jews didn't tell sweeping stories of military conquests and empire building. We told stories about how we raise and save our children. After a month in Israel, it's apparent to me that the story is very alive and well. And I want to tell you why and I want to tell you how. First and foremost, it is absolutely critical to appreciate that Israel is a country of children, literally a country of children. While the meeting and age of Canada, the United States and England are roughly all the same at 40 years of age, Israel is a full decade younger at 30. But if you dig deeper into these numbers, you see something more. That the age distribution for countries like Canada, America, and England, and for that matter, the rest of the European Union, shows that about 15% of the population is under 18 years of age. Canada particularly has a troubling number, by the way, and that the percentage of people over 65 has increased by 25% in just the past six years. While Canada's number is amongst the highest amongst the economically developed countries, it's a phenomenon to be true that is shared across the board by all of these countries. Western economies have aging populations. People in these countries do not have many children, if they have children at all. By way of example, Japan has 0.7% children for every thousand people who live in the country. Canada isn't far behind at just 1%. The, the net result is that the Western populations don't organically grow. They only grow by way of immigration. But Israel's under 18 population is 30%, double that of Canada's. The same is true for Israel's birth rate per 1,000, which is over 2%. Israelis have the highest number of children of all the OECD. OECD countries in the world at 3.5 children per mother. Israel is the fourth most densely populated country in the world. And if these numbers stay true by 2048, Israel's 100th birthday, it will become the most densely populated country in the entire world. Let those numbers sink in, in the entire world. But I admit that numbers are just numbers. Numbers tell facts, but often don't tell truths. And so in the search of truths, 
as Oscar Wilde once said, that hospitals are passageways, train stations of truth, sickness and healing and death and life. So many human truths are best seen in hospitals. And with that in mind, I went to a hospital in Jerusalem and like all Israeli hospitals, they are expanding, busy, and cutting edge. Because I was searching for truths, they asked me what I wanted to see in the hospital, and I said, I wanted to see the children's hospital. Because you can judge a society by how they treat their children. And there I saw things that I have never seen in a Canadian hospital. Now let me first say that rabbis go to hospitals. I've been a rabbi for nearly 30 years, which means that I've spent a lot of time in hospitals, and all kinds too. Rehabilitation hospitals, long-term care facilities, retirement homes, critical care units, regular hospitals, children's hospitals. And there in that hospital was a children's section that had a school. Because some children are tragically in hospital many times or even those who are there briefly, they need schooling. And as much about learning as it is about feeling as normal as possible when you are young in a hospital and you are unwell. The school there was for all grades. They also had special needs teachers. In the school section was a play area, a remarkable music therapy clinic, a computer and robotics lab, and believe it or not, there was a small zoo there. Now, throughout the world in modern hospitals, animals do not live in them. The therapy dogs that we see in our hospitals, they come and go very quickly. They never stay there out of fear of transmitting, transmitting excuse me, infection and disease. But it just happens to be that the head of that children's hospital is also a lead scientist in communicable diseases. And after considerable research, he was able to choose which animals were safe for the hospital. And why do you think it would be so important to have animals there in a children's hospital? And the reason is because children in hospitals are scared. I remember going for surgery at the age of six to have my tonsils removed. They kept me there overnight. And the only nightmares that I remember from my childhood are the nightmares that I had on that night in the hospital. Children who are afraid to take medicine are asked to give vitamins to animals. Children post-surgery who are afraid to take baths are asked to wash the animals. By seeing the animals go through, they will know that it will be safe for them too. And this entire program is paid for by the Israeli Ministry of Education. So why in Israel do they care for their children so much? One explanation may very well be that the future of the country is literally built on children. After all, it is those children who will grow and then go to the army. They will take up weapons and protect the borders of a small country that is under constant threat. Now how can you ask them to make sacrifices if we don't care for them? But I think that there is another reason, perhaps a truer one. In Israel, all the hospitals have 
in vitro fertilization clinics. The guarantee of the Israeli government is that every couple that they will provide free of charge treatments for two children. But let me be clear, not two tries, not two fertilization attempts, two children. No matter how many attempts, no matter how long it takes, two children. Here I have seen couples struggle financially with the immense cost of even one IVF treatment because it is an entirely private treatment. Presumably the Canadian government classifies having children as an elective procedure. But in Israel, and for Jews everywhere, having children cannot be an elective. But 80 years ago, the deaths and breaths of one and a half million children were extinguished. That if I spent my entire life reciting their names, I could not recite them all. So having children is recovering what was destroyed, which is to say that we will not let it happen again. Not by slogans, but by the most Jewish of all acts, bringing, raising, and above all else, loving our children.